0: You're listening to a Richwood Church Podcast. Today I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that as you navigate this world that we live in, that God is protecting you and that you are walking under His wing. And it wouldn't be truthful to say that God physically protects everyone who is out there making Jesus known. We all know that the disciples were martyred, save John, Many great men like John Huss and William Tyndale, Jim Elliott, countless believers across the Middle East that have been slaughtered by ISIS, um, high schoolers, at Columbine High School, and just too many others to count have lost their lives because they follow Jesus Christ. But it is truthful to say that no one can harm their souls. Human beings are safe ultimately and eternally in the arms of Christ. And Jesus made that very clear to his followers. He talked about the fact that there's only one person who has the power to either save or destroy. And these are Jesus' words here in Matthew 10, 28. He said, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What does that mean? It means that God is the one who has the power to ultimately destroy or save. He is the one that will destroy Satan. He is the one that will destroy the enemy of our faith. And here's the good news. He's on your side. And so as you navigate life, remember that he will guide you. He will empower you. He will defend you. And as Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Well, Paul discovered this for himself. Paul was on a ship. It was sinking. All hope seemed to be lost. But God reached in and miraculously saved him. And because he lived, the church multiplied again. Because he lived, more books of the Bible got written, and that's the way God wanted it. And of course, Paul did get martyred, but it wasn't until God was ready, and even then he was safe, because he was immediately with Christ. And so we do live in troubled times. The the world we live in is a scary place, but your life can be explosively powerful when you just understand, when you're going about your business living for Jesus, you're under the umbrella of God's protection. And that's because He shields, he, he guards, He protects those who are courageous multipliers. And so I want to give you that hope this morning. So if you would, please, if you have a Bible, a phone, or a tablet, you can turn with me to the book of Acts. We'll begin today in Acts 27:13. And if you don't have a Bible, I'd love to have you bring one, but if not today, you can just look ahead on the screen and you'll follow along. Amazingly enough, this is our last Sunday in the book of Acts, and I've really enjoyed going through this book and just watching how the early Christians grew the church and did it courageously and were singularly focused on what their mission was. And so, Then we're going to move into Advent after next week. We're going to do Christmas. After the first of the year, we're going to do a new series in the Sermon on the Mount. It's called Making Jesus Known by Living Like Him. We're going to learn about how to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That's after the first of the year. And so I thought to myself, here we are on the last day of Acts. And if I put them through a review of the book of Acts, we'd be done and we'd go home. So we're not going to do that, but I would suggest that if you have the Ridgewood app, you will have a timeline sent to you of the book of Acts. And you can always go there to the media tab, sermon notes, and there's an outline there too if you want to go home and just check through and remember what we've learned. But here as the book closes, Paul is a prisoner. He's on his way to see Caesar. The apostle had been transferred to Rome for this meeting and God was going to get him there. And these last two books in or these last two chapters in the book of Acts, cover that journey. And Luke begins with a detailed description of a voyage that was in dangerous seas at a dangerous time of year, AD 59, and things got scary in a hurry. So look at 27, 13, and 14. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and, ca- and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And so here they are, they're sailing along, they're on their way to to Rome, and they run into this thing called a Northeaster. And this was a ship's captain's worst nightmare. Hurricane winds, and then everything changed. So just to give you a quick idea of where they were. This red line right here is the voyage to Rome and Paul will end up in Rome to finish the book. But they sailed along here, here's Crete where he talked about that they sailed along and then they were pushed out into open water by this storm. So much of what happens is right in this area, they're going to end up here in Malta and then Paul will make his way up here through Italy to Rome by the end of the book. But it's a long voyage and it's a dangerous voyage. And so they, they crawled along, they found this small island called Cauda, which isn't listed on the map. They thought they could anchor there, but then they were swept completely out to sea. And this wasn't a small ship. There were 276 people aboard this ship. If you want to put that in modern uh, connotation that you might understand, if you go on a, say a Southwest Airlines flight, this would be more people than you can pack on one of those planes. So there were a lot of people there, and all seemed lost. If you look at verse 20, Luke, who's there, paints a bleak picture. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was lost at last abandoned. Was at last abandoned. Wow, that's, that's a bleak picture of what they're experiencing. And so Luke is saying that we're, we're stuck out here. We don't have a lot of hope, but we're going to get some hope this morning. And here's the first thing that I pull from this that I think is important that we all remember. It's that it always seems darkest just before God steps in. And maybe you've experienced this in your life, that it always seems like it's the darkest part of an experience before God steps in. And here is Luke describing this moment. He's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's looking around and he sees everyone on the ship giving up hope. And maybe this morning you're coming and you've got a heavy heart. Maybe you're losing hope. Or maybe you're here this morning saying, I've given up. I don't see God working. Maybe you have kids at home and you're trying to do schooling online, you're trying to work, and you just don't think you can do it anymore. Or maybe you're praying for your child or grandchild or your spouse, and you've prayed and prayed and prayed, but they just will not follow Christ, and you're saying, man, every time I pray, I lose more hope because I don't see God working Or maybe you just feel lonely and isolated and you've prayed for friends and you just can't find any or your health just isn't improving and you're in desperate need of hope. Well, God brings hope and you're in good company because Luke is this amazing man of God who wrote this book of Scripture and he's noticing that hope has escaped. And so hope is a hard thing to find. It's a thing that's in short commodity here In our world. But God shows up and he's about to do that right now. He sent an angel to pay a supernatural visit to Paul. So pick it up with me in 2721. Since they had been without food for a long time, that's about 14 days they went without eating. Paul stood up among them and said, men, I love Paul. He's so gracious. Men, you should have listened to me. And not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. And so even as a prisoner who's on his way to be tried in front of Caesar, was not afraid to stand up and tell them about God and about his saving power and notice his language, not just who I worship, but the one to whom I belong. And here's the second point I want to make. When it comes to protection that you experience under God's umbrella, you can find hope by reflecting on what God has already done in your life. And sometimes in, this middle, in the middle of this COVID situation that we're all dealing with, we tend to believe that the present is all that we've experienced or all that we ever will experience. And sometimes it helps us to sit down and reflect on the times that God has stepped up when everything seemed lost. And th- this wasn't the first time that Paul had had a vision. In Acts twenty three eleven, he was promised that he would be safe going to Rome. And, and so he knew that God was good for his word. He had been in a dungeon in, in Philippi. He'd been rescued there. God did miracles through him. He had met Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And so it wasn't something new for an angel to show up and say, you're going to be okay. Because Paul could reflect back and see that God was good for his word. And I love Paul because he's an evangelist at heart. He used every opportunity he possibly could. He had literally a captive captive audience of captives. And so he could talk to them about God, and he knew that they would listen. And so he didn't waste the opportunity, and he wasn't afraid to say, this is the God I worship, the God that I belong to. And, and what he promised them is, Listen, you're going to be okay. The boat's going to be lost. But you're going to be okay. And he could say it with confidence because he'd experienced God in his life before. And I think that if you and I would sit down and even though things look dark right now, if we just start journaling and say, God has done this, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And pretty soon before you know it, you're listing things out that God has done and it helps us to remember and so things were dark and hopeless on this ship. There's no doubt about that. But Paul was confident. And God was going to protect his courageous multiplier. He had plans for Paul, he has plans for you. But as the days wore on, everybody else was losing hope. But Paul reflected back in 2 Corinthians, and he just gives us a glimpse here of the things that he endured. And the times that God came to help. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. So this wasn't even a one-time deal for him. A night and a day was I adrift at sea. And so Paul could look back and say, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still doing what God wants me to do. God is good for his word. But here's a desperate situation, so let's find out how God would save his multiplier this time. And Luke describes the scene as they approach the island of Malta, 39 through 44. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach, but striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest they... And he should swim away and escape, but the centurion wishing to save Paul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So this is really not only just an amazing rescue, but it's exactly as Paul described it. And you see this chaotic situation where men are just jumping overboard, the ship's coming apart, they're grabbing on the planks, they're they're trying to get to the shore, the soldiers are going to kill them all because they knew what would happen if Rome found out that prisoners escaped, but God had mercy on them through a centurion who said, no, you're not going to do that. And so God protected his courageous multiplier. And so, even in the darkness, and here's what I want you to understand, things are dark. And, you know, I've just had to pretty much, like I'm a news junkie, and I've had to give up my habit because there's no good news. And what I found myself doing is just having to think about who God is. What is God going to do through this? And then what happens when we think about God and we think about what He's done in our lives, then... then then faith begins to grow and peace comes. And Paul knew what God could do. He was visited by an angel. He didn't doubt it for a second. And you and I don't have to doubt that God's working either. So now I want you to see, as the book of Acts closes, what God was saving his multiplier for. If you look ahead with me to Acts 28, verse 23, here Paul continues his pattern of taking the gospel to the Jews they don't listen. He goes to the Gentiles. And I want you to see this interchange that Luke writes about now in verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, that's Paul, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. And here now he invokes the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For, the, for this people's heart has grown Dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What's Paul offering? He's offering salvation, but people aren't hearing. He used the prophet Isaiah to tell the truth. It wasn't watered down at all. And here's a point we can take from this too, is that God protects courageous multipliers who are truth tellers. God wants truth tellers. God knows that the world needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And I was just shocked as I read this about how the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, nails our culture. In America, hearts have grown dull. Ears can barely hear. Eyes are closed. But Paul didn't water down the truth. He told it like it was and we can do the same thing. And God protects those who are out there on the front lines until their mission has been completed. Because he knows that people don't need more social justice talk. They don't need more political rhetoric. They don't need some watered-down version of who Jesus is. What they need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what courageous multipliers do. They deliver the gospel straight on. And what they will say is, that sin has devastated the human race. And because sin has devastated the human race, the punishment is hell. But Jesus came and gave of himself by dying on the cross and taking that sin and paying for it and rising again and all who believe in him can be saved. Now that's not a hard message. It's simple, but it's profound. Here's what makes it difficult is that people do not want to hear it. And so we're out there and we feel like we're alone. But here's the thing. We need to commit to being truth tellers. I'm always talking to people who are asking me, is this the end, Paul? Are we in the end times as if I have some pipeline to heaven like, oh yeah, let me just find out for you. Um, But one thing I can say for sure is that every day that goes by we are getting closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. And so... What our world needs is people to come to them and not just give them fluff, but help them understand that they are sick with sin and that there is only one hope for them, and that is a relationship with Jesus. If they don't hear it that way, they're not going to know what they're being saved from. And God protects those who are willing to do that, just like he protected Paul. He, Paul wasn't afraid to stand in front of these people and give it to them just like it was. was. So as many of his Jewish listeners as he thought well they rejected the gospel. And so what he did, he does what he always does is he turned to the Gentiles. And he gave them the same message. And if you look at the last verses in the book here, in Acts 28, you see that. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. You've had your chance. And then to 30, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So here's my last point, and I think this is important for us to remember, that God will put courageous multipliers where they'll have the greatest impact. If you're willing, he'll place you in a spot where you're going to have impact. The problem is there's not many of us who are willing to go anywhere and be anyone that God calls us to be. Paul was. And so here he is in Rome and he has this amazing ministry and people are listening and people are coming to faith and Paul was protected this whole time because this is where God wanted him to be. Nothing can thwart the the purposes of God. And during this time, Paul wrote the prison epistles. That's Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians. And Paul did this amazing work through his courage and tenacity. The gospel was not bound. He preached without hindrance. That's what our world needs. That's what our world needs. And so, will you be willing to be that kind of a person? Are you willing to help our church be that kind of a church? You know, governments, people, they can try to shut down the church, but the gospel can never be chained. This morning in Britain, there are churches meeting underground out of fear of reprisal of the government. Now, this morning would have been over, but it happened, and here's what, here's what an interesting story, at least I thought it was interesting, you're probably going to go, what does that have to do with anything? But these churches are meeting, and they're not supposed to meet, and they're, they're, they're huddling, and they, the, the government invaded a church. They came in with a bunch of police units, and they got inside, and they looked around, and they realized that they were following every bit of government guidance, and they had to leave with their tail between their legs but they're meeting because they know it's important to gather. And the government can say you can't meet, but they're not going to ever stop the gospel. The gospel's never been stopped. It never will be stopped. Because the good news under God's sovereign control in Acts went from Jews to Gentiles. It went all the way from Jerusalem to Rome because that's where God wanted it to go. And so when you're walking alongside of God, you're on the winning team. He will use you to make this happen. So, let's be strong. Let's be let's live our lives to the fullest for God. Let's be courageous. Let's be like these believers in the book of Acts that had one singular focus, and that is to build the church. And then we will find that our lives matter. So be assured, As you make it your life's goal to live for Christ, and as you navigate through this ridiculously terrible time that we live in right now, that you are under God's protection, that there is hope, but there's only hope in one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And God is protecting you as you do your mission, because that's what he does. He shields, he protects, and he guards all who are willing to be courageous multipliers. So why don't you stand? I'd like to pray over you, and I want to pray that we would be a team, pray that God would bless you, pray that you would find peace in this difficult time. Lord God, I just thank you for those that are here this morning because they want to be here, and there are many watching right now on live stream because it's it's a wise decision for many. But we're still together in spirit, and we still are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. So I just pray, God, that you would bless this flock, both here and online, that you would bless Ridgewood Church, that you would help us to find ways to be creative in how we move forward, to find money where money isn't there, to find human resources where we can't see them, to focus on what's really important, to not play church, because there are real lives hanging in the balance. There really is a hell. And there really is a heaven. And there's only one way to escape one and achieve the other, and that's through Jesus. And so we pray that we would be focused on that and that you would use us for your glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.